Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa, founder of RamNation.com. I'm joined by Mike Rowe, Cam's Chorizo. Hope everybody is doing well out there. We took a couple weeks off. We, we got a good one here in our return. In this week's podcast, we're privileged to welcome Rams Hoops coach Nico Medved. We'll have him on in the second segment, but uh, we haven't, haven't talked a whole lot of hoops since we started the podcast, Mike, and we felt uh, it was about time. So uh, really cool that he's willing to join us and talk some Oops, we're going to have a great program next uh, this coming season and for years to come. Mike, how have you been doing these last couple of weeks? Haven't seen you. Yeah, no, uh, things have been pretty good. Just like everyone else, just trying to get through the ease back into, into society and then the closing, the reclosing of society and right. all the madness that's uh, just kind of going through our, through our country at the moment. So, yeah, just trying to survive, just – trying to spend time with the family. So how about yourself? Yep. Same. I mean, we've got, uh, we had a Disney cruise canceled for late July. We just scheduled a family trip kind of in its place. Um, going to Destin, Florida that same week, end of July, early August. It'd be nice just to get away, get to a beach. It seemed like a fairly safe town. It's not like a Miami where people pack the beaches and pack the restaurants and bars like spring break so we're gonna test that out but uh yeah things just seem to fluctuate like a roller coaster it's just when things start to get better then people go overboard they forget to wear masks they jam people into uh lines and restaurants and bars and clubs and next thing you know it's all back again so hopefully people can be smart and we can keep this thing at bay somewhat so we have a college football season and we have school and man, yeah. i tell you but Yep, and then all the madness and craziness going on with, with racism and, and people getting killed by police. It's just, it's crazy. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But anyway, uh, it's nice to have a kind of a uh, reprieve from that when you can talk sports. It's part of the reason why I didn't really want to talk sports the last couple of weeks. It just didn't seem right. But uh, every time you open up the newspaper or get online, there's a new commitment. I mean, this coaching staff – and it's, you got to wonder, I mean, is this their, is this just their approach or are they just having luck or is it because they're not, there's no need to wait for time to evaluate players in person. Uh, they're just doing it all by film and saying, Hey, this guy looks good. Let's get on him early. Uh, but just even this week, I think we've got four new commits, including uh, John Howell's son, which is kind of exciting. That kid looks like a player. It's in his blood. So uh, what are your thoughts? We've got 20 commitments already. You know, um, I, I mean, this is really something we haven't seen here before. Even uh, with Fairchild, Fairchild had some, some strong classes, but again, it was more we'd have a handful of early commits and then fill up at the end. Even McElwain is kind of half and half, and, and we know uh, Bobo's approach kind of, you know, filling in at the, filling up at the end. Um, but no, we we just haven't seen this, and you know one of the one of the calls with with Adazio, he said that he likes to do his recruiting during uh, during the summer camps. Now, obviously, we're not doing that right now with with uh, the COVID situation. But I think this is what we're going to see in the future is is the hard recruiting. During during uh, the the high school camps at, at CSU and, and trying to fill up our class that way, he said he loves to see the kids in person. Obviously, you can't do that during the 
during the uh, fall season. So he does that during the camps. And, you know, what he's seeing on film, I think he's, he, he's really finding the kids that, that fit his system. And I think that's why we're just loading up. You know, I'm, I'm impressed with what we're doing. Um, he's getting a lot of, of athletes. He's getting a lot of uh, big guys that might just be an inch too small for a, a, a power five school. Um, 20 pounds too light for a power five school. And that was Sonny's approach. You know, uh, you know, Sean, uh, again, going back to, to our, our three hour, our three hour podcast with, with some of those Rams legends, they talked about that, that they were just a bit too short, a bit too slow, a bit too light. And that's why they went to CSU. And that's why they had that chip on their shoulder at CSU. And, and I think that's the, these are the kind of kids that, that Adazio is picking up right now. Yeah, there's something to be said about you might be an inch shorter, you might be a step slower, 20 pounds lighter, but there's something that offsets that when you are maybe someone who's from the backyard where the state, Colorado State means something across your chest. And also, you know, I think that he is really taking this approach like let's get in and be the earliest, be early offers on these guys because someone else is going to come along and, and offer them eventually. And you probably will see that. I, you, you made a funny comment off there the other day. We were talking, you said you hope that, that the high school football uh, season is canceled so that our recruiting class doesn't get poached. But, you know, you hear people saying, well, this guy was recruited by Austin P in, in South Alabama. And it was just really something to get excited about. Well, you know, these guys are not going to be on campus for another year right? They got a whole year to grow. They got a whole high school football season yet to play. We're just not used to seeing this, these kind of numbers of a, a junior class committing. So, and uh, we've talked about this before, but it's really cool to see not just one or two guys, but a bunch of guys. Every time someone commits, just they're all piling on. Congratulations. Welcome. Welcome to the family. And, and that's, I think this is kind of, that's kind of the ingredients that you need is a, a tightly knit team. And it goes back to the, the epic three hour podcast with those guys from 94. They all talked about how there were no clicks. They all spent time together. They all just meshed well. They all cared about each other. And these guys haven't even been together on campus yet. And they're already kind of have that they're connecting that way. And just didn't really see that a lot. Uh, it doesn't mean I don't, I, that's not a knock on anyone. It's just kind of rare to see that, in uh, college football these days. And, and so I, I'm kind of excited by that. Um, well, it it, it kind of, you know, one of our first guests when we had uh, Luke McAllister on, I mean, that kid, like every time someone commits, boom, he's like, Hey, let's get this bro. Let's, you know, next four years, it's ours. Like, you know, they're going to know us, they're going to see us. And, and I, I love that, that mindset. And you're right. Like every recruit, every commit, when somebody else commits or somebody's offered, and they know them, then they just pile on. You know, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of loose, uh, at least one of loose teammates uh, commit to CSU. I'm, I'm hoping for that. And you know, he's a pretty good athlete. But going back to what you said, like some of the posters are like, well, you know, they're only offered by these people. They're only offered by those people. A lot of our kids are being offered by New Mexico, by Wyoming. Um, by Utah State. These are these are our 
competitors. You know, we have to beat them. And I would rather get a kid from there, from there that's offered to there and have them come to CSU than have them go to Wyoming and then beat the crap out of us for the next four years like we've seen over the last five with our CSU program right now. Yeah, so and the other thing about Luke McAllister is we've signed, you know, he was first to sign and everyone's all excited about him. He's a, he's a local kid uh, from Palmer Ridge down in Monument. We've since signed two quarterbacks since then in this class. Uh, and he's been the first to welcome them as well. So, um, you know, you probably human nature would be like, what are they doing? Why are they signing another guy in this class? Much less two, you know, three total quarterbacks in the class. And that's obviously a product of us just not having quarterbacks on the roster. We've been way, way low on our quarterback numbers. So he's addressing that obviously. And I'm sure that conversation has been had uh, with all three of the quarterbacks, but uh, it's just cool. I, I like to see this camaraderie. I think that uh, they're all seeing the bigger picture uh, before they're even on campus. It's, it's about team less than it is me. Right. So, exactly. so it's cool. And it's, it's, you know, right now their Rams are ranked number one in the mountain West, uh, number 47 overall in the nation by, by 24 uh, seven sports. Obviously that's very largely due to the number of commitments we have are so early in the process right now, that'll change, but it's still cool. It's still cool that uh, you're seeing this, this, this surge. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, Mike, I want to kind of shift gears before we get out go to our break and then welcome Nico in. But did you see the uh, social media post? I think it was on Twitter, uh, but may have been Facebook and everywhere else. But Coach Brian White made some Rocky Mountain Ram burgers. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yeah, it was on, it was on both. Um, I actually been uh, talked to Coach White uh, a few times a week. Just, uh, you know, some of the pictures that I send, send you and, and Joey and three Ram and, and Nate and Queers, I send them to him too. <laughs> so him and I, him and I text back and forth with, you know, while we're cooking, while we got on the grill. But uh, yeah, I did, I, you know, I did watch the video of, of him and his Rocky mountain burgers and uh, it's awesome. Like I love how he has really just embraced Fort Collins. You know, he's doing this, he's, he's, he's doing the wake up Ram and he's got his yep. own <laughs> t-shirt line. Yep. You know, um, like he's always at horse tooth, like just posting pictures and he just sells, he just sells for Collins. And, and I, I love that. And, and obviously I love the cooking part because, you know, that's pretty much all I do <laughs> is, is try out stuff on my, on my smoker. So yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. He's awesome. And, uh, you know, I love, I love what he's doing. And how about you? What do you think about it? Well, you know, I, I don't, I can't say I've ever put Italian bread in my burgers. I liked how he was, he, he said that he learned from his mama that you soak uh, your Italian bread in milk and you grind it into your, uh, your ground beef there. And he said, that's the key to keeping a, a, a moist burger. So it doesn't dry out and, and get all dried and, and overcooked on the grill. He says you basically it's, it's burn proof. So it's a, uh, it's an interesting recipe with, uh, with the Italian bread. He's got, uh, bread crumbs in there, Parmesan cheese, Romano cheese, you top it with cheddar cheese. And then he said the last thing you do, and I actually have seen this where you put the little indentation in the top so it spreads out rather than kind of balls up. Uh, but he says he puts a little pat of butter in that little cup. That's, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that one. So I bet you those things are just money. So I'm going to have to try, I'm going to have to make that. So I have switched my burger technique where I do 
50% ground pork, 50% ground beef. And then that makes up the, uh, so it doesn't get dry and, and, and then cooking it at a lower temperature for longer just to, uh, you know, to get the heat in, but to keep the, the juices in as well. And yeah, it, I mean, I, I would like to have a cook off against uh, Coach White. What's, what, what, what do you do in there for flavor? What do you, what do you throw in there? Uh, I in just, just, like I said, I do the 50-50 burgers and then just. But, but either, like seasoning, Worcester. Yeah, I, just whatever rub that sounds good at the time, whether it's a blackened Saskatchewan rub. Or if it's I, there's a local, there's a local barbecue place in in Castle Rock that they have a really good beef rub, and I can't think of the name of the company, but I I mean I use that a lot, or just just heavy on the salt and pepper, mm. and then of course you know, got your cheese, let that melt, and sometimes I'll do Juicy Lucy's where I stuff where I stuff them. <clears throat> with uh with the cheese and sometimes i'll throw in bacon or or even pepperoni in the stuffed burgers but but yeah i'm calling coach white out now <laughs> <laughs> yeah we need to have a cook-off <clears throat> uh you've been you've been busy cooking a lot of meats i i see in our in our private text that we got going on what's uh give me give me your top your top uh effort this week or the, in the past week oh my gosh so i did my first tri-tip ever on Sunday, and I brined it in an in 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 espresso brine. So, four or five cups of coffee, a couple tablespoons of cocoa powder, a tablespoon of uh, crushed red pepper flakes, and a quarter cup of kosher salt. Uh, brined that for about five hours, and then cooked it slow and low, uh, 225 for 90 minutes. And then just let it set for about 20. I tinted it, so I, I put foil over the top of it while it was resting. And sliced that about pencil, pencil thin. And holy sh man, it was that, that's the best piece of beef that I've done, that I've ever done in my life. Like, it was, it was on point. Um, did a London broil in a beer uh, brine uh, last week. Uh, same thing. Uh, slow and low. I think I cooked it. Same, uh, yeah, ninety minutes, two twenty-five. Thin slice that. It was a really good medium rare. That was that was good. Uh, tried a different beer with it. I did a uh, Hellas Lager from Tivoli. So I had a, like a little bit of the kick, but it wasn't overpowering. I had done one with a Guinness earlier in COVID. <laughs> Every, everything just runs together and, and it was just a little bit too much of the the beer flavor to it so this was I mean this was really good and then just been doing a lot of chicken quarters uh same thing like about two hour smokes at 225 and oh man they're just so juicy and yeah so those yeah. Are the, the, the that, in the last week so I know you've been busy I like those pictures so <laughs> You gave me some good advice on the ribs the other day. Holy cow. I would have never thought to rub it with mustard and then season it so that it sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I forgot it. Yeah, I did ribs last week too. And uh, and so I brined them again. I, I did a, that beer brine with them. And, I mean, the moisture on them, but the smoke ring that I had, and I sent you, oh, my God, it was like the perfect amount of smoke. Uh, they they 
they didn't come off, fall off the bone, which you shouldn't do because that means they're cooked too, too long and they lose a little bit of the flavor. It should be where you just tug it a little bit and you can feel the tug, but it still comes off the bone. And that's how these were. And it was, I did, I did those for about two and a half hours. Oh man, they, they were so good. So good. And I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that yours, yours came out. Well, I didn't get any pictures though. Yeah, I'll do the pictures. Mine don't, mine don't look that pretty, but it tasted good. I did do it in the, you told me to, to what would you say, tent it with the foil and then put the little, uh, the beer or the, yep. uh, I actually did a beer apple juice mix. Nice. It was amazing. It was really good. So uh, we need to start like a segment where you are just doing your, your cooking tips. <laughs> or you should just start your own podcast. That's an hour of that. There we go. It's, you're that good. <laughs> no, <it's laughs> All right. Been, well, it's been like just during this time. I, I mean, having more time at home, like I, I just been really experimenting with the meat more than I normally do, and and like I'm liking the results. Let's uh, let's take a break because uh, Coach Medved is going to be joining us in just a minute. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back. This segment is sponsored by Ginger and Baker. They were closed for an extended period, but are finally open again here in the last couple weeks. They're currently open Tuesday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., and Saturday and Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., their market is full of seasonal offerings in the cafe, coffee shop, and bakery are open for dining, indoors and out. They're also offering takeout from the, the cafe and bakery menus, and they've got delivery through NoCo Nosh, uh, as well as catering options. So keep them in mind. If you want to make a reservation for cafe dining or order a pie in advance uh, or shop for gift baskets or seasonal goods, just browse gingerandbaker.com or give them a call at 970-223-PIES. I'm telling you, Ginger and Baker is awesome. They're an amazing Ram Nation sponsor in an awesome, awesome establishment in Fort Collins. Please support Ginger Graham and Ginger and Baker in Fort Collins. Nico, you ever been to Ginger and Baker? It's a cool spot, man. It's really a cool spot. And um, obviously, you know, great people, great supporters, and um, what a great location, too. So, yep, it is awesome. It's really cool. I encourage all of our listeners to, to stop by there now that they're open again. Uh, it's an amazing place. Uh, I didn't even get to introduce you yet. I'm pleased to welcome CSU men's basketball coach Nico Medved in his third year as CSU head coach after going 12 and 20 in his debut season two years ago and then flipping that record in a really fun 20 and 12 season last year that would have culminated in a postseason appearance had things not been shut down by COVID. But what Mike and I have talked about uh, on air and, and just fans are excited about is that this program is being built to, uh, for long-term success and, Hoping to see things get even bigger this year. Nico, thanks so much for joining us, bud. I appreciate you guys having me, man. It's fun to, fun to be on, and it's cool that we've got the technology and the format, right, to be able to do this stuff so easily. And so, uh, no, this is great. Yeah, I mean, this, that, uh, that leads me into my first thoughts. I mean, you and I had the privilege uh, of, of golfing TPC Colorado way back in March. It seems like forever ago uh, with, with Aaron Katz, Katsuma, who's the director of basketball operations and uh, Ram Nation or DJ Johnson. And I remember on that, that uh, in that round, you were getting, your phone was blown up. That was right when everything was starting to hit the fan. And there, you know, you're learning about how students are not going to be returning from school. And God, looking back at that, you're wondering if there was going to be 
anything related to college sports or professional sports. And obviously, obviously things are still in flux, but uh, there's been some noticeable improvements and reasons for optimism. But from a basketball standpoint, how has this affected you, your program during the off season? And uh, what's your outlook on how, what effect this might have on going forward in the 2021 season? Well, man, that's a, that's a loaded question. There's a lot to, to unpack there. I, I'll tell you this. It's funny. You bring me back to that day, Joel, you know, you're, you're sitting there and you're right. Like all this stuff was really evolving. And I remember uh, r- driving home from golf that day, it kind of hit us that, all right, we need to get all our, we need to get all our players home, especially our internationals. And, you know, we got James Moore's on a plane. We made the decision there. We weren't going to try to keep him here through, you know, all this stuff. And, and then Ignis Argunas, you know, from Lithuania, we had to get him home and we had some interesting issues as far as them not letting him back in the country and having to go through, you know, different countries. And we were able to work all that stuff out. And yeah, things have just evolved kind of crazily uh, since then. And, um, it's obviously had a major effect, you know, everybody's season obviously didn't end the way that they wanted it to. Um, you know, you get over that piece of it, but then you're trying to figure out what's next and, um, immediately figuring out, all right, everything's going to move virtually for our guys as far as academics. And, um, I, we figured that out. We, we finished with another really strong semester. All three of the, the seniors graduated. Um, you know, I'm proud to say that, um, you know, two, our first semester was the best academic semester in men's basketball in over 15 years. Um, and so our guys have really done a great job and they really did a great job second semester as well. Um, and then you're trying to figure out recruiting, um, how we're going to do workouts. Um, you've obviously got really no timeline, right? I mean, nobody can tell you this is when it's going to end. This is when it's going to be normal. So you really have to be agile, man. You got to be able to adapt quickly. And you realize that most of these guys, at least for a couple months, they had no basket to shoot at. Um, they had no weight room. Um, so we're trying to get Jason Phillips, you know, our strength and conditioning coach to figure out what guys may or may not have access to. Um, a lot of push-ups and burpees were going on, you know, in guys' living rooms, uh, ball handling routines. Uh, again, most of these guys couldn't even go to the park and shoot, you know, they had chains on the, on the parks. And so, you know, slowly over time, you know, you, you figure that out and, we're meeting in this fashion as a team. And um, we're talking about a lot of things that aren't even involved with basketball. And, and, and then um, guys are getting more and more access, right? So they're starting to get, you know, ability maybe to get into a gym here, or there, get into a pickup game, uh, uh, go throw around some weight somewhere. And then obviously just waiting on what's next. All of our recruiting got shut down, you know, no ability to either go off campus to recruit or to bring prospects to campus. So all recruiting has been done virtually uh, um, this, the same way we're doing this podcast. That's been interesting. Um, it's never the same. I don't like, you know, not being able to meet people in person. Um, our ability then to go and evaluate people in person. That's a big deal, too. You know, so um, everybody's had to sort through that, thankfully, for us and our scholarship situation we weren't in some dire need to have to go out and sign a bunch of players immediately. So I think that was good for us in the sense of, you know, two years ago, man, I can't imagine being in a situation where we had, I mean, that would have been crazy. Um, so we've really, we've been recruiting, um, but we've been pretty selective. You know, we haven't tried to go out there and, and just, you know, make something happen. That's not there. We've been pretty selective. And I think we're kind of taking the approach to, to see what's going to happen. And, I think if you follow the news, even today, what you're, what you're starting to find out is 
all the summer evaluation, just like the spring has been canceled, but it looks like maybe we're going to start moving into to some things in the fall. Uh, going to start talking about getting our players back on campus. Um, I see, I think you can see the NCAA change the recruiting calendar, allow us maybe some access in August and September that we didn't have, but honest to God, guys, that stuff's been evolving, you know, even within the last hour and two hours since we're about to do this podcast. So you really got to be on your toes. Yeah, we talked about this uh, before you came on, but Coach Adazio has got 20 commitments going into, you know, their 2021 commitment. So very early in the process, but he's doing this all on basically film, mm -hmm. film evaluation. Can you do that from a basketball standpoint? I mean, it, I don't know how you do it because when you look at somebody's highlight reel, they're all highlights, right? You don't see the, the down and dirty, the, the negative aspects of a game. How, how, how do you evaluate a player without getting somebody in person or in a camp? Well, I think that's a, I think it's a great question. You know, football and their similarities, football, football has always done a lot of evaluation on film, you know, maybe, but from our standpoint, one thing we always do, we try to get is, is a 360 approach to all these guys. So we want to see them in an AAU setting. We want to see them in a high school setting. Uh, maybe it's an open gym. We try to do home visits, uh, visit them in their school. We get high school film. Uh, we want to watch whole games. Uh, we don't watch, I mean, we see a highlight video, but we're going to make our own evaluations that way. We're going to talk to people um, in their community, people around the kids. So a lot of that's been taken away. We've always done a lot of film evaluation. So obviously you're going to continue to do those things. We've been doing, you know, home virtual visits, being able to visit with, you know, prospects and kids like that. And some of these guys are guys that we had seen, you know, we had seen them in their high school season this last year. And so we're pretty comfortable with, with them, but you're right. It is different. There's nothing like meeting somebody in person, uh, spending time with them. Um, this is great, but it's not the same. Um, it's not, so that is difficult. And I think for me, um, because of our situation right now and what we're in, we are still recruiting and we're recruiting 2021s. You know, those guys tend to make you know, the, the, the timeline for these guys is different maybe than some of the other sports, but we're being pretty selective. You know, I'm not in a rush to just go out there and start offering guys that I haven't seen or really don't know a lot about because I don't feel like we have to. Um, and so it's a challenge, um, but we have always watched a lot of film and we're doing the best we can with what we have right now. Any concerns about uh, the season being interrupted or shortened in any way or what do you know from that regard? If I acted like I knew, I'd be lying to you. <laughs> I don't know that anybody, and that's the thing that's crazy. You know, nobody really knows. I mean, everybody, I think you have a plan, then a contingency plan, then a contingency plan to that plan. And I think, you know, you can drive yourself crazy doing it. I, I, I think that the mindset we have to operate on is that it's, we're going to have sports. Okay. And it's like, I told our team today in our, in our team meeting, um, things are going to look different this year. They're, 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 they're going to look different in a lot of ways, but how that is, I don't know, but we're going to, we're going to adapt. And um, I think that I like the mindset of, of our athletic department and Joe Parker and that right now, the mindset is we're going to play these games. And we're going to have fans in the stands. I mean, that, that's what, I think that has to be the goal. That's what you want. Um, and then I think you have contingency plans based on that. You know, what's that going to look like? Um, I think everybody who's been following the news and following this stuff, um, things change a lot in two weeks, don't they? 
you know, uh, things can change. I mean, just you, you follow it. And, and, and I think that, you know, I, I give our leaderships a, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of kudos for being able again to stay agile and be able to adapt. And so the one thing I know is that they're, they're looking at a lot of different scenarios, but I think at the same time, they're really staying positive and they're like, Hey, we don't want to give up on having our fans in the stands watching our teams play next year. Um, and that's what we're trying to work towards. Wouldn't be a lot of Moby madness if there were no fans. Oh man. Don't, I don't even want to go there right now. You know what I mean? I just, I just can't, uh, I can't force myself to, to go there right now. And it's so still, it's a long ways off. It's a long ways off. And, and you know, this in, in life, you know, that you gotta be, but if, if you spend all your time just worried about all the what ifs all the time, you just drive yourself crazy. You got to control what you can control, you know, and, and, and that's what you do. And, you know, you, you, you have influence where you can, you advocate where you can, but at the end of the day, we have to control what we can control. And, we've got a ways to go before we play the season and a lot of improving to do. And that's what we have to worry about. Yeah. I know my daughter, my four-year-old daughter would be very disappointed if, if we weren't able to go to some basketball games, we went to the last handful uh, to end the season and she just fell in love with it. I mean, she, we went to that first uh, scrimmage uh, when, when you did it before the, uh, what, homecoming homecoming yeah, yeah yeah and so she met the players and and loved it but we I took her to the last handful and she just freaking loves being there and loves the players and you know and how great they are with the with the fans after I mean so so just so you know just make sure that we can get in there or, 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 I just man we're all counting I can't tell you yeah I just <laughs> Hey, take a number and get in line, Joel, right? Like, uh, hey, Mike, I can't tell you how happy that makes me, though. I, I think that, you know, people have always asked me, you know, how are we going to get, you know, the fans back? And I think we're slowly starting to see that. I think we saw momentum last year. And it's just one person at a time, right? People who come in and they have a positive experience. They like watching the team play. They like cheering for them. Uh, they have a chance to interact maybe with our guys or our staff, and they have a great experience. And they want to come back, you know? And, heck, maybe they bring a friend. And, um, and I think that was one thing I thought was, was great. And we got a long ways to go. We weren't perfect, but I thought the people who came out and watched our guys play said, Hey, that's, that was fun. And that's a group I can see myself cheering for, you know, and I thought it was a great step forward. That's for sure. I mean, you've got a group of players that is easy to rally around. You'd mentioned off air that you're about to go on a coach's retreat. What is, what is that all about? How does that work? Well, what, no, what, what this is next couple of days, you know, we, we've always, uh, uh, Joe Parker has always put together a, a head coaches retreat, you know, an executive staff retreat. We've always been able to do those things in person. So it's going to take place in, in uh, uh, a zoom head coaches retreat here the next two days. And so, um, you become a professional on these formats. I tell you what, I didn't even know what zoom was four years ago. And now it's like my whole days are, you know, consumed with this stuff. And, um, I can't wait till we can get back in person. So, so that'll be just, you know, more of us kind of talking about current events and things going on. And, um, you know, we, we do that every, every year. And, you know, and, and, and I'll also do one thing I've been able to do a little bit more in this offseason, too, is maybe spend some time doing this of, of you know, maybe even talking to some other coaches a little bit more than, than I have in the past. And um, it's been it, it's been good. It's definitely been a challenge with little kids at home and working from home. And I haven't been in my office since, what, March 13th I haven't set foot you know in the in the McGraw Center and um, I think there's some things that were that will come out of this that maybe we'll look at and say hey we maybe in the future we can even do more things virtually than we did in in the past 
Um, and then, like I told you before, the one thing that I always knew, but even just it becomes ingrained more is there, there, there is nothing and will never be like sitting face to face with somebody to connect. They're, they're just that, that human interaction, sitting with a player, sitting with your team, uh, sitting with somebody else and having a real face to face conversation is just something that can't be replaced and something I know I'm really looking forward to. How hard was it? So I'm looking back at last season. Mike and I both went to Vegas for the conference tournament. That was fun. <laughs> I mean, Vegas, yeah. Vegas is fun, right? There you go. Yeah. But how hard was it to go out on a sour note after having such a good year and you lose to rival Wyoming in the first round of the tournament and then you don't have that chance at redemption getting to the CBI and getting to play again with this, this group as a, as a whole? It sucks. Can I say that on a podcast? there's been a lot worse said yeah I, I can imagine on your guys podcast but I, I I got some sort of reputation I gotta uphold right or whatever but no it sucks I mean it is what you know and and but that you know what that's the price of admission man when you when you play and you're an athlete and a coach and you put yourself on the stage you're gonna have games that you win and, and you're gonna take it you know in the short sometimes and that's what happened and I knew that was gonna be it. I mean you watched they beat Nevada the next night I thought well they've been playing really really well but um, it does stink. And I think it stinks that we didn't get an opportunity to go back out there and play in the postseason. And I think we had kind of rallied. Our, we literally found out the day we were going to practice for the first time after the term, we were literally getting ready to walk down to practice. And we found out they canceled the deal, but I mean, don't feel sorry for us. No, nobody season ended the way they wanted it to. Right. Whether you had no chance at the postseason, imagine San Diego state, what they had to, 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 to go through. So, I mean, and not be able to finish the season that they had. And so, it stinks. I, but, you know, here, here's what I'll say, and, and this is really hard, but it's the truth in, in any sport, but especially in college basketball. You know, I think you got to be really careful to draw too many conclusions from one game, good or bad. You know, you, you have a, a couple of great wins and you're scoring 90 points and, uh, you know, you take a bad loss. I think you got to be careful because, you know, a 16 seed beat a one seed and then they turn around next year and win the national championship, right? Anything can happen in one game. I think what you really have to look at is trends. You know, was there, is there something that was going on with our group um, that wasn't trending in a good direction that allowed us not to perform well in that game? But sometimes you get beat. It's college hoops. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just what it is, you know. And sometimes you go and you, and you upset somebody too. And so, you know, it, it, it really stinks. But as we do it, we really try to evaluate the whole season and the things that we really like and the things we know we have to get better at. Um, we hate how it ended, but, you know, um, we got to get over that one quickly because it's not just about that game. It's about what we want to do here moving forward. It's funny you brought up San Diego State. You know, I, I didn't even think about them because they were they were positioned for a one or two seed. Oh, a yeah. Historical season. But I think I told you this while we were golfing, but I ran into Craig Smith and his players at the McCarran Airport on the way back from Vegas after the game, uh, after the championship game. And they were just on cloud nine and they had made a, a tremendous run through the conference tournament. They're going to the, they're going to the NCAA tournament. And then they have the rug swept out from under, under them. Did you talk to Craig at all? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's brutal, man. It's just all that. It's just brutal for all those, those kids and coaches. It's a, it's a dream, you know, come true that that's taken, taken away from you. And you wish there was something you could do to change it, but you know, I, I, I think it's funny, you know, you mentioned all that stuff and I think as time went by and, you know, you're having a chance to interact with your team and all this stuff has really become a reality, right? Where who knows what's going to happen. You're at home. Um, 
there's so much unknown. And I, I, I always tell our players, I say, you know, basketball, it's, it's what you do. It's, you love it. You're passionate about it. Um, you teaches every, you know, so much about life, relationships, all that stuff, but it's still not who you are. You know, there's, there, there's other things in the world that are really, really important that are going on. And this is just another healthy reminder for guys that there is more to life than this. And it's hard sometimes when you're in that bubble. Um, but you know, everybody gets over it and you know, you, you, you got to move on and, and there's other things that happen in life. And, um, but just a, yeah, just a brutal experience, you know, for everybody that way, but you know what, the sun comes up, um, you, you focus on what's next and let's go. You've made comments that the mountain West is getting close to returning back to its glory days. San Diego state of course carries the banner, but who else in your opinion is getting close? Well, the Rams, of course, that's, I just, that's implied. I just, I just, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I look across the board and I look at the coaches and the players in the league. And I think you're seeing a lot of guys on the uptake. I think UNLV is a program that's going to continue to get better and better. I think they have a chance to contend right away. I think that although Nevada lost, you know, it's four leading scores. I think you're going to see them start to build back up coach Alford. They'll, they'll do a really good job there and continue to be really good. Utah state will be good. Obviously you said San Diego will be good. Boise, I think is, um, you know, has proved over the years, they've got an excellent roster right now. Um, you know, I, I, I could go on and on. I, I really hope that we're a part of that conversation. I think for the league to get better, you know, we be, need to be a team that can, you know, be a contending team, a team that, you know, is right there and, um, you know, playing in the postseason every year and, and having a chance to, to beat anybody. And so, you know, those are the ones that, that kind of come to mind. And that's not to knock. I, I think uh, Coach Linder is going to do an excellent job at Wyoming. I, I actually think, I know our fans probably don't want to hear this, but I think they're the sleeper in the league next year. I, I think um, regardless of the coaching change, I think they were going to be considerably better next year. You know, they had a good young core. They were playing really well at the end of last season. And now I know Coach Linder is going to do an excellent job. And I actually think they have a chance to make some noise in our league next year. And so, um I, I think you're going to see the top teams get better and they're going to see the quote unquote bottom teams start to get better as well. And I think the overall balance will be good. And, you know, we need to make this to this league a multi-bid league every year. Um, and our job is to play a big part in that. Can we ever get back? I mean, do you remember those couple of years? Was it 2011 ish? Just the glory days of Mountain West basketball. We had five bids into the, into the NCAA tournament, the conference tournament, in Vegas was packed every session. You had San Diego State fans, New Mexico fans, UNLV fans, BYU fans. You had Jimmer Fredette, Kawhi Leonard. That I don't know if I will ever experience something like that again in in a conference tournament. That conference was loaded. It was nuts, wasn't it? I mean, just the the, the atmosphere at the Thomas and Mac in that conference tournament and the level of play throughout the league was just uh, was incredible. You know, I. Can you get back there? I, I certainly think that's the goal. I certainly think that you can. I think there's also, you know, there's a lot of dynamics going on in college athletics right now, um, not just in our sport, but in football, um, as far as how we're able to schedule, uh, um, you know, leagues going to 20 league games, there's less opportunities, you know, to play some of these other schools. Um, and so there's no question that that power group of schools is trying to keep out you know, some of the other schools, um, as we all know, there's, there's a lot at stake in there and a lot of money involved, but I don't think without, without question, our league is poised 
um, to be right there in that conversation and be one of those next group of schools uh, or group of conferences uh, to always be a multi-bid league and to be known as, you know, you got the Pac-12 in the Mountain West as, you know, kind of a power out there on the West Coast. And um, the league got better last year. There's no question. And I see it continuing to get better. You, know, you, just, you just mentioned the the 20 game league schedule. How is that going to affect our scheduling over the next couple of years? Gosh, I should have put you on that. I I'm a proponent of our league going to 20 conference games. Um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm in the minority, but I think that's something we've had a lot of discussions about. Um, and I think the reason for that, in my opinion, is, uh, you know, the big 10, the ACC, all those schools are going to 20 games. The Pac 12 is going to go to 20 games. What that does is, it just, those are less non-conference games that are available to us, you know, in those power leagues. And obviously what our ability to schedule in the non-league and then win some of those games and develop a resume allows us to that. And it makes our league stronger. So when we get into league play, do you know what I mean? We, we, cause the, the year that we had five teams in the tournament, we had five teams in the top 50. <laughs> do you know what I mean? In the RPI. So when we got into league play, it was like playing in a power conference Every night out, you're having opportunities to play NCAA caliber teams. So, but in order to do that, you have to have a good team. You have to be able to play a quality non-conference schedule, and then you have to beat those teams. And so what those 20-game league schedule is, it takes some of those games away from us. And, you know, last year, for example, our in our schedule, you know, we, we, we only play one, you know, two of the schools once. We did not play Boise State at home last year, and we did not play at New Mexico in my opinion, those games are better for us than the two other games we have to schedule in the non-league. Not always, but, you know, I, I, that's my opinion. And I know, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into that. And, um, you know, there were some teams in our league that, you know, weren't nearly as good as others. But um, then you look at the conference standings last year. We finished 11-7. and seven. Um, We lose to Boise in early December. Um, they finished just above us right on the seed line and we don't even get a shot at them at home. You know, what if we, you know, we were how, how well we were playing right at the end of January and into February, I would have loved to have Boise at home then. <laughs> that might've completely changed the complexion of the mountain West tournament too, you know? So um, that's me, you know, Mike, I, I, I'm hopeful that at some point that's the direction the league's going to move. Um, you know, for us, obviously, you know, I, I hope we continue to play the Colorado series. Um, we're in a great multi-team event next year. We play Louisville, you know, on a neutral, we open up, which is a, just a monster game for somebody like us in the mountain West. And um, we have Richmond at home in the A-10 challenge next year, which Richmond and VCU will be the two favorites in the A-10. In fact, I've seen a lot of polls at Richmond's a preseason top 25 team. They are terrific. Uh, five seniors coming back. Uh, we'll have Tulsa again on a neutral court in Denver. Um, you know, we could end up playing Arkansas in that MTA as well. So we, we've really, uh, and Colorado's going to be good. Colorado's got another chance to have a terrific uh, team this year. So um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a real challenge, but like I tell people all the time, well, we, we didn't come here to lay up, you know, we're trying to challenge ourselves here and um, give ourselves an opportunity to play in the postseason again. So you, you mentioned the, the Colorado game last year. It seemed like our season changed at halftime of that game. We, uh, Pretty tough first half, and then second <laughs> half, <laughs> to, to put it nicely. And then the yeah. second half, you know, we just – and it seemed like it just carried on. Like, I, I, I was just impressed with how our freshmen kind of grew up, like, right then. 
I, I think that's a great point. I, and I, I would agree with that. I, I think I, uh, that game was just, you could tell in that game, you know, the, the crowd was, was almost a sellout there. The energy was awesome. It was, so, you know, all this anticipation. And I didn't know if the game was too big for our guys, but our guys played so hard. The defense on both ends was tripping. I mean, I've never been around it. We just could not put the ball in the basket. I mean, it was great. Well, you were there. Um, and I thought at halftime, our guys came out and you really got to see, again, the guys just sort of take that next step. And I thought it was that point, David Roddy, you know, really came out in that second half and kind of took that game over for a second. And that really just, he's a gamer, you know, when the game is big, like he, you, and you could, we could see a little bit at Duke, but in that game right there, and it was at that point we made the change kind of in the lineup and we inserted David in the starting lineup. And then I thought that when we went to Tulsa, right. And we won that game in triple overtime. It was David's first start of the year. It was a second half of CU and that Tulsa game completely changed the season for us. And that ended up being one of our best wins. And from that point on, I think you just saw the confidence level in our team and our young guys and our chemistry, you know, start to take off. And, um, and I thought we really built things from there. It was with uh, what well, we had four freshmen and sophomores starting last year and then three coming off the bench. Like what, what are you seeing going into next season with, with the, with that core group and then with the guys that are red shirted and then our incoming recruits. So, you know, on paper, uh, obviously I'm playing on paper. I mean, you look at, you, you, you return four starters, um, and really two starters now who've started almost every game for two years, you know, and Kendall and Adam, uh, those guys have experience. I mean, the young guys in particular, Isaiah and David got a ton of minutes as a freshman. Um, it's a unique thing where everybody else on our roster is underclassmen, right? We have such a young roster that way. Um, and so now I think, you know, we've got some talent, we've got some young guys, but now it's really going to be a matter of a lot of these young guys taking the next step and, you know, roles will change. Roles will get bigger. Um, expectations will change. You know, and I think that's something you got to want. But as a coach, I don't know how we're going to handle that yet. You know what I mean? So I don't know how we're going to handle that yet. Um, but I think that that's going to be a, a real challenge for us. And and so, I, but that's one I'm looking forward to. I think a guy like Deshaun Thomas is a guy that's got a ton of upside. And um, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, in his minutes, and you look at the minutes he played last year, I think he got better and better. Um, he's a guy that's going to have to have a bigger, a bigger role. And yeah, he's not Nico Carvacho, but he also has some strengths. You know, he can shoot the ball from the perimeter. Um, he's got excellent hands. Uh, he can do some things offensively. I think that will make us a better team, you know? Um, and I think then you're going to see some guys like John Tanjay, you know, can he take the next step? Uh, he's a guy I think that really showed some promise and is a hungry young player who has talent. We redshirted two guys, James Moores and Ignis Sargunas. You know, James Moores is another 6'11 kid who has the ability to stretch the floor, um, got a lot stronger. He just needs to play, but he's got four years left. Ignis Sargunas is a kid that really came on. He's a 6'4 guard, um, can shoot, can play make. Uh, redshirt has got three years left, you know. Um, so we've got some other young guys in the program. And then we've got freshmen. You know, Isaiah Rivera is a 6'4 kid, you know, from Illinois who is all-state player. Uh, average almost 30 points a game, um, kind of that big guard who does it all. Um, that's kind of a, a guy that we're looking for. Um, he just fits in the mold of all these other young guys, a great kid, great competitor, really talented. Um, I think he has a chance to make an impact. And then, you know, Jacob Jennison's a seven footer from Minnesota. 
Um, he had that unfortunate injury towards ACL, you know, beginning of his senior year, he's still rehabbing right now, what that's going to look like for him for next season, especially with us missing all this time. I don't know, but I really like our young roster. In fact, it's, it's interesting. We're probably only going to go into next year with 11 scholarship players, okay. you know? Um, and, and, that's because we have no upperclassmen. We have two scholarships available, but you got to remember right now, the way that it sits, we only have two scholarships for the next two years, you know, um, things change. And, and, you know, another guy I want, I, and I, I love all our guys. That's the thing. I like all our guys that we have. You know, another guy that people aren't talking about is PJ bird, you know, PJ birds, a kid, you know, last year he transferred from VCU. He didn't get a lot of opportunities, but he's a tough kid. He can make shots. He can run the point and there's minutes there, right? You know, there, there, there's guys that with, with Chris and Hiram graduating, uh, there's minutes in the backcourt for somebody to take. And obviously there's a lot of minutes and a lot of opportunities with Nico graduating, but I feel really good about the young guys that we have, you know, uh, um, to step in and fill roles. And so um, it should be a fun group, but you know, we've got a lot of work to do. Definitely excited about them. Definitely excited. Coach, you had said uh, a little bit ago that, it seems like the power conferences are always going to be fighting for their own bids. Right. And it's going to make it right. continually make it more difficult for conferences like ours to get multiple bids. You've coached in the power conferences before uh, in Minnesota. There's a big 10. So what's the difference between the big 10 and the mountain West when they've got kind of built in advantages where you go into a season and they're all, their net ranking is already highly ranked. So when every time they play each other, this net ranking is just continue to, to boost each other. Do, does a conference like that really deserve 10, 11 bids when a Mountain West deserves two? And it changes from year to year. Yes, we understand that. But the power conferences, it just seems like year after year, it just continues to lean more towards their favor. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's how they're trying to set up the, you know, game the system too a little bit. And that you know, there's so much money involved, as you know, from playing in the NCAA tournament and, you know, playing in major bowl games. And so I think that, you know, people who control the pie want their guys to get a bigger piece of it. Right. Um, I mean, that's the way this stuff works. And unfortunately the more money that gets involved, sometimes that's not good for the fans. Right. And I think that, that, that we, you know, a lot of times that's the problem for us right now is that I understand revenue streams and making money, but at the same point in time, we got to be careful that we don't alienate our fans too much because that's the lifeblood of what we do. And so, um, you know, whether it's fair or not, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I know this, that if a school, a good mountain West team had an opportunity to play, you know, nine quad one games a year, as opposed to one, um, things might look a little bit different. Right. And I think there's a team, you know, you're, you're whatever, eight and 10 in the big 10 or whatever. And, as opposed to a team that's 14 and two, you know, 16 and two in another league and maybe had a bat, you know, a, a, a tough loss on the road at an air force or a Fresno. That's, that's tough, you know, and I, I'm probably in the minority here, but I actually think they should expand the NCAA tournament again. That's my opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, think about it, right. In football, what's a percentage of people who get in a bowl game? I mean, over half. Half. You know, I mean, you finish 500 and you're in a bowl. I know football coaches don't want to hear this. I mean, heck, you have 300 and almost 60 Division One teams and you have 64 that play in the NCAA tournament and that's the gold standard. Do you know how many teams have unbelievable years and don't get to play in the NCAA tournament? I lived it at Furman. 
you know, we go from one of the worst teams in the country. We tie for the regular season championship. We have an unbelievable season. We had won, what, 12 league games in a row at one point. I mean, we're doing – and then we get beat in our conference tournament, and we go home. And, like, I, I think that stinks, you know. And so I, I feel like, you know, if they could expand it, maybe expand it to 96. Um, you give the first four seeds in each region a bye. That's the first – so the first 32 seeds get a bye. You maybe play – it's almost like that first four weekend everybody plays. Everybody thinks that water's done. Heck, I think that adds more excitement, more opportunities. Um, you know, if you were to take the next, you know, whatever, 32 teams on the seed line this year uh, that would have got into the tournament, you're talking teams like my old school Furman, who's done a great job. They could have been an at-large the last two years. UNC Greensboro. I mean, the Belmonts. The, I could go on and on. And I think that's what the fans want to see. Yeah. I think that's awesome, you know, and so I'm, I know it's more complex than that and I'm in the minority, but I don't think it's healthy if we get to the point where we're taking 12 teams from the big 10 and two from the mountain West or Atlantic 10. I don't think that that's good for everybody. The, the lure of the NCAA tournament to me is the David beating Goliath. And there's just, there's fewer Davids. So it, I agree. It would be nice to see a little change there. I agree with that. And, you know, you hope you can get there and you, and you hold out hope. And again, you know, we got to control what we can control and in our own league and in our own programs, continuing to invest and continue to try to get better and challenge ourselves and our schedule when we can. And, you know, at some point we got to find a way to win some of these games. Coach, you've been part of three coaching transitions at CSU with three different athletic directors. Uh, when you came in with Timmy and then, staying on that first year with Larry and then taking over um, the program as the head coach. How are they all similar and how are they different? You talking about the, the coaching or just the, the coaching changes, just the overall? Just, yeah, just the, the coaching changes overall. Yeah, I, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, two were similar and one was, was completely different. Obviously, you know, the first time, you know, you came in and came in with Timmy. I mean, the program was – things were tough, right? I mean, we – one of the worst APR situations in the country. We obviously had multiple off-court issues. It was com almost a complete overhaul um, of everything, you know, um, in the program. And you know, as you know, you know, we went 0-16 the first year in the Mountain West and um, completely trying to figure out how to rebuild the roster, recruiting, everything. And, um, you know, and, and then, you know, the, the leadership at that time we were, we were investing in some of the facilities, we were investing, you know, in the budgets. And so I think things were building at that time. And then, you know, the second transition, obviously, you know, that, that team was built to win. Right. And so, you know, we came in and, you know, Larry did an excellent job that year. We, we added a couple of really good players, but, you know, we had a NCAA tournament team returning and we had Daniel Bannard on Colton Iverson sitting out. I mean, like, you know, you're kind of slobbering at, you're like, oh my gosh, we're going to be freaking good, you know, that year. And so, and the fan support had been built. So we were kind of going into like, man, this thing was ready. And to everyone's credit, you know, it manifested itself into an unbelievably memorable season, right? I mean, the, the team performed, everybody performed, the fans came out, we ended up winning in the NCAA tournament. I thought like, you know, I was fortunate enough after the season to get an opportunity in my first head coaching job, which was great. Um, but man, I was leaving that thing. And at that point in time, I tell everybody I was fortunate is that I had seen that program at its best and its absolute worst. Right. Yeah. And to be able to see both of those and go through that progression, I thought was incredibly, you know, it was invaluable for me um, when I had the opportunity to come back. And then, you know, th this last year, you know, similar, I mean, in, in, in the sense of, and this is not, 
by no means am I going to go anywhere and talk about anything, you know, happened, but, but clearly, you know, there were some, some, some issues, right. In the program. And there were some things that had to be fixed. And, um, you know, there was a lot of apathy in the fan base. Uh, the roster needed overhaul. Uh, uh, you know, we needed to change some things and, and why or how it doesn't really matter anymore. But I think I was able to lean on at that point in time, my experience at CSU before I thought was really invaluable, how we needed to recruit, how we needed to build it, the belief that it could happen. And then to be honest, my experience at Furman, I mean, I went to Furman and we were one of the worst 10 division one teams in the country. And four years later, we ended up winning our league. And you can see what that, you know, Bob's my assistant took over has done a phenomenal job. And um, I really relied on that. And the same thing at Drake, you know, you came in and had really kind of had, you know, a broken fan base team and everything. And, I thought, you know, the staff, we came in and were able to, to, to inject some energy and see that take off. And then when I came here, I was pretty confident in what we needed to do. And so I, I think for me in my third head coaching job and going through those transitions, you know, you're going to have tough times, but I had a lot of belief and confidence in what we were doing. So I didn't blink, you know, I didn't blink and I knew this is, this is how I think we need to do it. I had belief in what we were doing, belief in the people that we had. And I think that made it a lot easier not to second guess yourself at all. Um, and so I've been pretty fortunate and I really like the foundation that we built. It's so fascinating to hear you talk about that because you're right. When you were here with, with Coach Miles, you literally grew the fan base from ground zero, like the very bottom, 0 and 16. Mm-hmm. The program was not in a good place when you guys took over. And then you grew it to where we had regular great crowds. It was becoming Moby Madness again. You had really raucous environment. But it, when you came back as head coach, I know you've made this comment to me privately, but were you surprised at how far the fan base kind of had fallen and how hard it's been to, to get us back? It's, it's interesting you say that. For me, the, the biggest surprise was that. You know, when I, when I left, um, there was a lot of energy in the community and in Moby. I mean, the, the fans, were, it, it, was, it was there, the media, the fans. I mean, people um, changed. And when I came back in that first year, I remember sitting in the stands at some of these games, and I'm like, oh, wow. Do you know, like this is, do you know, we have a lot of work to do here. We got a lot of work to do to, to, to build this back up because whatever the reason was, there was a ton of apathy and people were not coming out to the games. They weren't excited about it. And, and so, so, you know, we really had to roll up our sleeves. But I think the other side of that is I also know I have a belief that I know what it can be. Do you know what I mean? And I know we can do it and I believe in how we're going to do it. And, and you can't get frustrated when it doesn't just happen overnight, you know, and, and yeah, there, there were times this year where, gosh, you walk out and you're like, come on, why aren't there more students here? Come on, why aren't there more people? This is a big game. Our team's, you know, performing. And, but everybody who was there saw from the beginning of last year till the end of last year, it started to grow. I can feel it as I go out in the community. People had fun at the game started so that you can see the groundswell. And then, you know, we have to continue to perform well on the court. We've got to continue to do community outreach. I think, you know, in our, our, our marketing department, like they are, it's got to be an effort all the way around to continue to get fans in the stands. But I believe that it can happen. I think people in this town really support basketball. They support CSU. Um, but you've got to win and you've got to do it consistently. And I'll say this, people may or may not agree with me. Everybody says it's about winning. You don't have to tell a coach that. I mean, nobody knows, nobody knows more than a coach that, you know, you, you win life. If you don't win, life's miserable. 
but it is more than just winning. It's more than just that. It's how you win. It's how you engage. It's the experience that fans have at the games, you know, um, fans can come and you might have a disappointing loss or, you know, maybe it doesn't go your way and, you know, you do whatever, but if, if the way your team plays, uh, if it's people that the fans can cheer for, that they can relate to, uh, um, that they believe are playing the right way, they're going to keep cheering for you. Us in a lot of towns and especially in Fort Collins, people appreciate hard work. They appreciate good basketball and they want to feel CSU is such a huge part of our community. And they want you to feel like your program is a part of the community and you want to get people to invest. You got to connect connection brings investment. And we have to just continue to find ways to connect with our fans and our community and the rest will happen. 100%. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, there's so many parallels between your team, what you're putting together in the sunny teams in football with, you know, as coaching staff that, that fans can relate to and, and rally behind and certainly players that you really want to cheer for that they're, they play an exciting brand of basketball on the court. But like Mike said, with his daughter, they're the guys that after the game, you go down on the court and they are, they stick around for an hour after the game, talking to players, signing autographs, just being human beings. And I love what's being put together. So uh, it's been, like you said, it's been, it, there's been a lot of work put in and, and you're, we can see the, the fruits of your labor. It's, things are getting to be where we need them to be. So coach, um, want to go to, to senior day this year, Hiron Edwards. What was that? conversation with him like before the game you know everything that kind of came out is is just like the perfect example of, of what this program is and just kind of what was what was that like you know I I'm kind of getting good I, I just um I, I tell you what I've been coaching a long time but to see you know everybody talks about Nico but if, if people only knew the growth and Chris Martin and hiring Edwards from when we came to when they finished. I mean, that it's, I'm as proud as anything of those guys for what they did and just how they really grew up. And, you know, Hiron's, you know, he graduated, first of all, the fact he graduated college, the, the first in his generation of family and what he had to go through being back at home to do that. People will never, will never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, on senior night, you know, obviously I want to give the guys, the seniors a chance to start and, you know, I, Chris had started before and he did, but I went to hire and, and, and he's like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I, you know, the team's been playing well and I, I just don't want to keep it the way that it is. You know, I don't, it's not about that, you know? And, and I said, are you sure? You know what I mean? Like it's your senior day. You haven't started. I mean, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like we're a team. And he's like, no, 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 man, I, I'm, I'm good. I really, you know, I, I, I like the rotation and how the team's playing and sick of that. And, the fact that those guys do that on their own is just, is just awesome, you know, and that's, that's what it's all about. And same thing with Chris. I mean, I, I think he could have handled me taking him out of the starting lineup and putting David Roddy in there a lot of ways. And that's hard for a senior man. And I've had it happen before, you know, but the fact that he was so open to doing it and handled it the right way and had such a great attitude, it, we don't have a good season if he doesn't. I mean, that's just how people don't realize if he doesn't handle that the right way and his attitude, we don't, we don't play well because those things change a team. They change the culture. They change everything. And the fact that he did that, and then I thought it was so cool. You know, he helped us with some of those games at the end of the year and really playing well. And the fact that he started to get celebrated at the end of the year by the media 
it's just such a great life lesson, isn't it? He gave up something himself for the team and the team started having success. And then when the team started having success, he gets recognized for his role in the team and his unselfishness. And you really hope that those are things that can carry forward for those kids into the future and they can learn um, from their experience here and that it helped change their life in a positive way. And, and so um, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, Nico is Nico. Nico, so we can talk about him forever. But I, I really thought those two guys and how they handled their senior year and their role uh, um, was so huge. And I'm really proud of those guys. Uh, do do they have uh, our three seniors that graduated? What are their prospects for playing at the next level, like overseas or? They uh, they've all signed with agents. Um, you know, I, I think you don't have to look at the news too quick. I think you know this 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 COVID thing is a worldwide issue. You know, with the economy and with sports, and so I think it's not just here in the states, but I think overseas too. People are trying to figure out in these different countries and leagues how they're going to to manage this next season. Um, I think budgets will be tighter, you know what I mean, for everybody. Um, but I know that's their goal. Um, Nico, you know, right now, I think, you know, the NBA has kind of moved back, obviously, their calendar. They're not doing, you know, summer leagues and things. But, you know, he's been starting to do some virtual interviews with teams. Uh, he's obviously been been here. He's actually in town um, doing some workouts and just kind of to, to wait to see what's next, you know, whether he – is going to take a good offer in Europe, whether he's going to kind of wait around to see what happens here in the States. Um, and I think Chris and Hiron are kind of in the same boat, just working out and, and trying to see what's, what's next. But, you know, when or if I should say, when the, you know, the NBA does decide to start playing again, I think that will kind of start to signal, you know, what are the next steps, you know, for everybody, but you hope that all those guys, you know, will get an opportunity to do that. And, then you, you hope that whenever their basketball career is over that, you know, they're able to find something to, to, to do and, and to, um, you know, to create a great life for themselves. And, you know, they'll always be great Rams. A couple more questions, Nico, going back to just a couple of questions ago, when you talked about the character of the Hiron Edwards and Chris Martin, who accepted their role and were team guys first, when you arrived, this happens every time there's a coaching change, but <clears throat> guys leave a program, right? And likewise, guys are kind of suggesting, your coaches are suggesting that people leave a program. You had good players, good good athletes in Raquan, uh, Raquan Mitchell, Prentice Nixon, Deion James, Anthony Bonner, uh, Lorenzo Jenkins. I mean, those are good players, but you have to come in and evaluate who are the guys that are going to buy in? Who are the guys going to play our kind of basketball? What is it like? What is that process like? when you got to decide who's the right fit for our program and kind of suggest that some of those guys might not be the right fit and have those conversations. It doesn't seem like a very pleasant, easy part of the rebuilding process, but kind of a crucial one. I think that, you know, it, it's maybe not as difficult as you think in the sense of, you know, you, 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 you pretty much know, you know, what you look for and what you want. And it's a two way street too. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's not, it's sometimes it's a mutual thing. It's not just that, you know, a player may decide to, Hey, this isn't, you know, this isn't for me and that's okay. I don't wish any of those guys, any, any ill will at all. But I think, you know, when you're in it every day and, and you start to, first of all, you take over a program and those players are automatically your players. There are players, right. And so everybody gets a fresh start and um, you kind of start to mold things the way that you want to mold it and, and the brand and the culture that you want to create. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it becomes very, very, clear you know quickly um 
how that's going to look. And, you know, as you get through a season, I, I think it becomes clear to you. I think it becomes clear to be honest, even for the, the guys on the team, whether, you know, they feel like this is someplace that they want to be or, 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 or they don't. And again, sometimes, you know, it can be a good thing for both people. Change isn't always negative, right? <laughs> and uh, change can be really positive. And so I think, you you know, from our standpoint, I think it all worked out the right way. And I think, you know, hopefully for those, for those guys too, it worked out, you know, for them the way that they wanted as well. I remember when coach miles left, got his opportunity in Nebraska and you had reached out to me and you're like anything you can do to put in a good word for me, I would love this job. I want to go for this job. And I wish that I had more pull than I did, but this place has kind of always been, a place you wanted to be. It's always been special to you. What, what draws you and your wife, Erica here? I know you guys really enjoy it here. I mean, it's not, you know, I, have you ever met somebody who's lived here for an extended period of time that says they don't love it? Right. So, so forget, let's just forget the other side of it. I got the best job in the world, but, 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 you know, it's such a great community. It's such a great place to live. You fall in love with it. The vibe here is just, is just awesome. You know, um, um, being a part of this great college town, everything that there is to do in the outdoors, uh, um, just the, the, the atmosphere here is just awesome. So that, so that's easy, you know, for us, obviously, um, we got married, you know, when, when we were here, um, have a lot of close friends, a lot of connections, we both, you know, enjoyed our time. And then you really got to see, I think, firsthand what the program could be, you know, and I think for me, as a coach, I could see very, very quickly the things that I value as a coach, the, the way that I want to do it, the way that I want to build a program um, and a culture, um, this fits me. Do you know what I mean? I, I think that that really fits what I want to do. And so you love living here. You love the university. You love the people. You believe you can win. You believe you have people around you uh, that are going to support the program and do what they want. I like building things. I mean, I do. I like the challenge of doing that. And um, um, and I think that, you know, we can do it the, the way that I believe we should do it. And, and so I think all those things just fit so well for me. And, um, I, I, uh, a good friend of mine does a lot of leadership stuff with us too. We both grew up, we found out really in the same ho hometown in, in Minneapolis and, um, you know, a lot of upper Midwest people, there's a ton of Midwest people in Fort Collins and you grow up up there, you realize this is like Hawaii <laughs> compared to compared to the winters up there, man. Are you kidding me? Uh, um, so, and it's sunny out all the time. And um, so, no, there's just, there's so much to like here and so much to value. And I think that, you know, we've got a great staff and this is a people business. And um, when you have, you know, great coaching staff and great people to work with and a group of young men that are on our roster right now and that are talented guys, but they're also really quality people, you know, and, and I think that's awesome. And so it's really fun to go to work every day. And um, that makes my job, job pretty dang good what's next for you and the team this summer so I think we're waiting you know to get final word whether we can you know uh get the team back or not um every school is doing something a little bit different states are doing things a little bit different I think you're going to see uh maybe tomorrow a vote come out from the NCAA um you know this is maybe a little inside baseball but it could um allow us to start working with our players on July 20th on the court um, and so then I think we'll kind of operate from there, but I'm really hopeful we're going to get our team back in July and start working into, you know, strength and conditioning on court stuff. Um, you know, we obviously missed all spring and we've missed this time. Normally we'd be doing team workouts right now. Um, we'd have been lifting and working out all spring. And so we're behind, there's no question we're behind and everything. So is everybody else. Um, 
but you know, our young guys need to get stronger. They need to get better. So hopefully we're going to be able to do that here in July. You know, they may open up a little bit of recruiting for us. Hopefully in the fall, at some point, we'll be able to get back on the road. We'll be able to have prospects visit Fort Collins, but gosh, nobody knows how that's going to, going to look like. You might have an easier time getting into Fort Knox than you do uh, my office right now. So sorry, Joe, I didn't, I'm not, that's kind of a joke, but, but it, it, uh, but it's, I mean, it, you know what I mean? So who knows right now, you know, right. visitors, uh, all that stuff. So you just kind of taking it one day at a time, but I feel really good about getting our team back here at some point in July and hopefully getting back on the court in some capacity and starting to get back to work. And um, I know that I love practice. I love being around our guys, but whenever that time is when I'm back in Moby actually coaching our team in a practice, um, I might practice for four hours. I think I told our guys that the other day. I'm, I'm yeah, but I, I wouldn't do that, but I might, I might just get carried away. So it's like our podcast. Right. Some, yeah. Sometimes well, I, right, I, I asked you if you could join us for 20 minutes and we've been on for over How long an hour. Been so. on there? Oh man, you're going to get me in trouble, man. I'm yeah. sorry, man. I'm no, sorry. it's all good. I love doing this. I really appreciate you guys having me on. So anytime. This is I appreciate, really good. I appreciate your, you know, you guys, the, what, the, what you do and, you know, your, your, your loyal support and driving fan engagement and people at the games and, you know, Hey, slowly, but surely um, there's so much potential here in Fort Collins and, you know, at, at, at this program and let's just keep doing it, man. Day by day. Hey, the other thing that was cool. I, this, I need to let you go, but going to Duke was really cool. Those kind of experiences are really cool for fans. They grow the fan base. I know you were going to Vegas this, uh, this fall for, uh, for that event. So any other uh, things on the horizon that with uh, potential powerhouse opponents that we need you know, to know about? Not, not nothing right now that I can report. I mean, we're always looking, you know, for opportunities to play, you know, those kind of games. And so I think the game at Duke, I was just a cruel dude for putting our freshman in the first road game at Duke in their home opener. Oh my God, who does that? But you know, it's funny. I kept thinking to myself that I thought that that, that experience would pay off for us at some point in time. And, you know, although there, there's never a, you can't point and say, this is exactly what happened, but, but I'll, I'll say this and I'll, I'll leave you that. I, I remember, if you remember right, we went to San Diego state, uh, the last road game of the year and they was their senior night. They had just taken their first loss of the season. Um, if you've ever been to Viejas, that environment maybe is as good as Duke that year. I mean, it's crazy. Okay. Their senior night, they're foaming at the mouth. Everybody's like, oh, my God, how can you even – do you know what I mean? You're going to get your – you know. And we go into that environment right there, have to sit through the whole deal. We know we are in for an absolute firestorm and crowd. I think we got down, what, 14-2 to two to start the game, hit those shots. Next thing you know, I look up at the scoreboard and our guys have the lead. And we led for almost the entire game in that environment and controlled that game at the end of the year. And God dang it, you know um, – we had a chance, you know, to, to, to maybe win that. And I thought our performance that night was terrific. And I thought to myself after the game, even though I was really mad because I thought we should have won, I'm like, maybe that experience at Duke in game one in the first road game allowed us to perform that way. Um, do you know what I'm saying? At the end of the season. And I really believe that um, because our guys weren't phased at all. They you know, like this ain't nothing. I mean, we've been in this deal before. We know what to expect. The fans didn't get to us. The all the uh, other stuff didn't get to us. And I thought we kind of liked it actually. <laughs> and so I, I thought that that was pretty cool. And um, so I think, you know, sometimes you got to put yourself out there and put yourself in difficult situations. It's not always about the wins and losses. It's about how you grow from that. And um, growth isn't always linear. 
and we're still going to have our ups and downs as we're working through this or not. But I believe in the people that we have on board. And um, I think the future is bright. 100%. Ram fans, it's going to be a, a really bright future with CSU basketball. Nico, thanks so much for joining us, man. This was a bit of a real treat. Hey, yeah, appreciate yeah. you guys for having me on. Go Rams. Go Rams. Thanks, man. All right, let's take one more break, and we'll come back for a final segment to wrap it up. Our thanks to Nico Medved. That was amazing. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to segment three of Ram Nation Radio. Michael, that was spectacular. Nico Medved, we've got the right guy in place in our basketball program, don't we? Oh, it makes me excited about the, the next two or three years, you know, with, with him at the helm and, and our underclassmen that played out of being underclassmen and seasoned veterans now. Um, I, I'm excited about CSU Hoops. You've got a guy here that loves this city. He loves the program. He talks the talk, and he is putting together the pieces, the players, the right kind of people that fans will rally around, and they're winning. They're getting wins. They're starting to beat rivals. They're, they're uh, going on the road, and they're being competitive at San Diego State, uh, who was uh, not the number one team in the country for a big chunk of the year. We had them on the ropes in their arena, right? So this, this is, is going to be a fun, fun future. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, October to get here and, and watch some hoops. So uh, let's get on to our last segment here. Uh, this is the Around the Horn segment. It's brought to you by Mighty River Brewing Company. They are open once again, finally. And uh, they've got rules in place to keep everybody safe, including they're, open, they're starting just uh, at 50% capacity, allowing space between each table. Uh, they're going to have their beers flowing, including several new beers, Michael, uh, that are they just released during the lockdown. So uh, one is the Wicked Awesome New Zealand Hazy IPA. The, another is the Raspberry Margarita Sour. And then the third is the Little Rivers Pilsner Lager. All three are kind of designed for the summer months. Sound amazing. I'm and, a pretty uh, big, uh, fan of sours. So uh, going to have to make that trek up north to uh, well, get soon. We are, uh, so Dan, the owner, wants to get together and, and have a Ram Nation event this fall. So we will definitely make that happen, and, and we're going to want uh, all you diehards to, to join us. So, um, of course, uh, food-wise, they've got the rotation of food trucks, and then right next door, they got Pizza Vino. You can order anything from their menu. They'll bring it over. So check out MightyRiverBrewing.com for the food truck schedule and a complete hours of operation. Owner Dan Miller, good friend of mine, big time CSU fan and a donor and a longtime Ram Nation guy. He's been there basically since day one. So please support him and please support Mighty River Brewing Company. All right, Mike. Part of the reason I mentioned this in our first segment that we, we didn't really do a podcast the last couple of weeks because I, I personally found it hard to talk about sports it just seemed trivial right where you got black people being killed by police you had racism at the forefront of of the the main topic of america uh and so it just just didn't feel right but then all of a sudden you've got an incident happen in our own community just a couple of days ago uh you got a Colorado state football student athlete working as a part of a roofing company in loveland walking door to door 
and he's held at gunpoint by some idiot who believed he was an Antifa protester. And uh, this guy was ultimately arrested uh, for menacing and false imprisonment. And uh, really unbelievable that this is happening just right in our backyard. I guess, I mean, it just goes to show this happens everywhere. There's nobody's immune from this. There's racism everywhere. There's racial profiling everywhere. I like that this, I like the statement that the university put out. Yeah, here's, I'm reading this. Our student is a young man of color while the perpetrator is white. Regardless of what in investigators learn or reasons the perpetrator gives, we know this. Our student got up Thursday morning, worked out with his team, then showered, dressed, and went to work. Hours later, he was facing a stranger with a gun and hearing police sirens that had inexplicably been called on him. Given what we've seen happening in cities across the country, we know all too well that this encounter could have proceeded very differently. And that's true. Like you, you could brush this off and minimize it. I mean, I, I'm ashamed to say that in the past, I would have minimized it. Like, is this a big deal? Is some mistaken identity, some idiot out there with a gun? And it's been all too easy for me to bury my head in, in ignorance uh, and ignore the issues that have happened for years, right? But clearly I and the world need to change. I mean, I've listened to you tell stories, Mike, uh, where you've had your own, you, you know, you've been affected by racism in the past. You know, this is, is something that I've unfortunately had, have had to deal with since I started school at CSU in 1993. You know, I had no idea, no idea about this. I was very naive growing up. I grew up in a, in a small town that really mirrored my own family uh, and for those of you that don't know, uh, my mom's side of the family is from Mexico. My dad's side of the family is, is white. And my hometown was almost exactly like that, 50-50 Mexican and, and, and white farmers. And when I went to CSU, that was the first time that I was ever known as a Mexican. I wasn't known as Mike. I was known as a Mexican. And my sophomore year another friend from my hometown, uh, uh, Mexican as well. We were putting his bike into my truck. Uh, two officers watched us unlock it, watched us put it in, in, in my truck, watched us lock it and They came over and told us that we fit the description of bike thieves and they needed us to show our school IDs and unlock the bike to, to prove that it was his and you know, since then, those kind of instances happen too much. And fortunately, it hasn't been worse for me. But just as recently as December, uh, as, as many of you know, we've talked about it in this podcast, uh, my wife and I adopted a, a little girl. And, you know, if you, you look at the three of us, you together, you could tell you wouldn't be able to tell that she's not our, our biological daughter. She has, shockingly, a lot of the same features. As, as Tracy and I, but when it's just her and I, uh, you, see the, you see a stark difference, especially in our skin tone. And it, I mean, like I said, in December, we were coming back from, uh, from my uh, college graduation uh, for my master's degree, and we were at the airport, and Tracy, you know, really early in the morning, and, and our daughter was fussy, and, and Tracy went to go grab our bags, and so I was with her, and, and she just had a meltdown, and, and think about, you know, you've been a father for 17 years, Joel, 
you know, think of how many times that you've been with your, your children and, and they melted down in public and, and Willow had a meltdown. And, and so I took her off to a little corridor there at DIA. And then suddenly two officers came and, and questioned me on what was going on and, and why were we back there in that corner? And, you know, why was she crying? And I'm like, uh, well, cause it's, you know, five thirty in the morning, <laughs> she's been awake since three o'clock central time. You know, she's tired, she's hungry and, and wants to go home, you know, like four year olds do. And I had to defend myself. I, I mean, I had to, <laughs> to answer questions just because of, my skin color and, and it's tough, you know, with, with having to wear masks, you know, you know, I've seen, I've seen you guys pictures. I look pretty, I mean, if you don't know me and you, you see me coming at you with a mask, it, it, you, you're probably going to think twice, like what's going on here. And that's my every day when I leave the house, that's, that's a decision I have to make, you know, am I going to be in a place where I have to wear a mask or, or do I, do I not need it? just for that reason, so that somebody doesn't mistake me like, unfortunately, they did our, our CSU player and, and have a situation like that happen. So, you know, it's this whole time has, has, has been tough for me reflecting on that, you know, thinking of, of all my friends and what they have to go through and, 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 and it's tough and, and hopefully we're, we're moving in the right direction so that these kind of things stop happening. Where do we go from here, bud? You know, it, it really is going to be one person at a time. And, and you know, it sounds so cliche, but it, I mean, it is going to be like, it has to be one person at a time. And, and you see somebody change and, and then somebody else will change. And then and it just hopefully keeps building. Great points, man. Um, you have a perspective that, that I don't. And uh there's been a lot of learning that has gone on the last couple of weeks, few weeks. So um, it's been a real eye opener, man. It's this nation is in some turmoil right now. And hopefully this is the spark that will bring change. Quite honestly, we, we need it. You look at, you look at, at big moments in history. I mean, it's not just kind of one thing that happens. It's, it's multiple. I mean, you look at everything that happened around world war two, I mean, there was a, a worldwide Great Depression, which led to, to people being able to get in power, uh, you know, in, in Europe and, and Asia. And then what we saw as, as a country in the United States, uh, you know, working together to, to get out of this Great Depression and then led into the war. And, and, and we're seeing that in the, over the last four months where, you know, it's been a worldwide pandemic you know, the, the amount of death and, and sickness that's, that's been going on leading into this. And I, and I think all these, these protests and, and sadly some of the riots have been a result of people being locked up. Uh, I mean, obviously speaking out, you know, about what's going on, but, but I think the, the movement is the, the, the lockdowns from COVID wow. played a, a huge role in that. And, and we're seeing it worldwide too. I mean, you're, we're seeing these protests all over Europe for what's going on in the United States. And, and again, I mean, I, I, I think it starts with one person and it just keeps building and building and building. And, and, and I think we'll see, you know, I hope we see some change. So shifting gears, 
to something a little less important, but still fairly douchey. Mark Kisla of the Denver Post. And I've, I've never had really a problem with him. A lot of people do, but he wrote the absolute worst column, I think, that he probably has in his entire Denver Post career the other day, the early, uh, late last week. He basically said that CSU will never be big time, that building the stadium was a folly and it was an ego trip. And, and uh, they did, CSU did it with aspirations of becoming big time and uh, to try to capitalize and use the CU game in, in 2020 to um, hit the lottery and blah, whatever. All these stupid points. The guy, when CSU was building the stadium, was totally in CSU's corner and, out and laid out all the reasons why this should be done. And just because of a COVID has kind of stepped in and, and changed the circumstances. And yes, now if, if we don't have a full stadium at that game, and we've put a lot of eggs into this basket where we have asked fans to buy season tickets to, to make sure you can gain access to this game. And because that's how much the demand for this game would have been. You know, we got a 40,000-seat stadium. Well, 30, what is it, 36,500, and then you've got standing room only to get us over 40, 41,000. That's almost half of what we are used to at Invesco or at Mile High Stadium. And so, yeah, there's going to be demand. But now, if, if we're not allowed to have a full stadium for a 50% capacity, what is that going to do to our finances? And he basically took CSU to task because of this. And I just, I just don't, I do, I don't get it. I don't understand any of his points in the, in the argument. What he's not saying is that, I mean, he, he's basically saying that CSU has no right to aspire to greatness uh, like our brethren to the the southwest the boulder guys in boulder that aspire to, to win a national championship to aspire to win our conference to aspire to pack the stadium every week and i i i don't get it i don't know if you had a, had a take uh on what what his uh what his column was all about but you know kids was about clicks and you know, uh, and and I've on our side conversations on our texts. I've, I've I've been cleaning and, and getting rid of a lot of stuff, and I've been going through a lot of memorabilia. And I went through a lot of old Rocky Mountain news uh, newspapers, and I miss. And you even commented on Twitter. I miss like Kravitz and Litwin and, and Sam Adams, people that wrote about the that wrote a story about what they saw. And, and they were fairly critical when they needed to be, but they also wanted to have fun. And Kisla's never been that writer. He just never has. And, and you know, I found an article yesterday from, from the home opener when, when we beat Oregon State. And, and he was just like, oh, you know, CSU needed this stadium and the stadium's so perfect. And, and on and on about the, how great it was to be on campus. And, and then last week, he, oh, well, it's, it's, it's the big white whale. Right. Come on. It's, it's again, he's, he's just clickbait. And, I mean, I personally can't stand him. And I haven't been, haven't, especially since the, the Rocky and, and, and Post merged and, and then the Rocky closed. I just, he's, 
he just is he says everything to get people riled up you know what's interesting i was on he does it we're talking about him you know this is this is his goal is for him to talk about it but i want to point something out like when he he talks about how detrimental this will be for csu um there's a meme going out and, and if anybody any of our listeners if you watch uh it's always sunny in Philadelphia, you, you, know, you know, kind of the, the plot line with that. But there's this meme going out where, where they're talking about uh, being poor. <laughs> and, and they say, and they, and they point out like, well, those people are new poor, while we're old poor, so we're going to be okay. Well, you know what? We've, CSU is old poor. We've always had to work with shoestring budgets. We've always had way less money coming in from, from the from paid tickets, from our TV revenue. Well, all this is going to hurt more are the teams like CU and Oregon State and Vandy who have to pay so much more. I mean, our $220 million facility is going to be able to have concerts in the future. It's going to be able to have games. It's going to be able to have exhibitions of, of other, other sports in there. CU spent $150 million on a, on a practice facility. That's only going to be used for practice. You know, think about that. Like they're, they're, they're going to be new poor and they're not going to know how, what to do. And a lot of these, these, these lower schools in, in the power five that, that are trying to spend to get up, to get up, to get up. When they start taking this hit from all this, that's, you know, we've already been taking hits. That's, that's CSU's life, you know, our $220 million stadium, that's, that's just a new, you know, pickup truck that we bought. You know, when, they, when they're spending 150 on, on practice facilities, that's them overspending to, just to keep up with the Joneses. So I'm not, obviously it's better if we have a full house on September 5th, but it's not going to make or break CSU if we don't. And that's today's mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good, brother. I could not have said it better. Let's uh, let's wrap it up because we went uh, an hour longer than we wanted to, and this happens every week. Every week. <laughs> but uh, Nika was awesome, so it was great to uh, talk to him for an hour and get his perspective and, and talk about hoops. That season can't come soon enough. Michael, it's been a pleasure as always. I want to thank you. Thank uh, today's guest, Nico Medved. Thanks our thanks to our sponsors, Ginger and Baker and Mighty River Brewing Company. And, of course, our unofficial sponsor, who? Malort. Malort. <laughs> and, uh, and thanks to all you listeners. I appreciate all the feedback and, uh, and positive comments that we've, we've gotten. So have a great week, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Go Rams. Go Rams. <laughs>